Hello and welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. My name is Kyle Banton-Jones and I'll be your host. The Wild Enrichment Podcast is a show about animal welfare, training, enrichment, and everything in between. Each episode, we will be exploring concepts surrounding behavioral husbandry and the ever-advancing field of animal welfare, from interviews with real animal care professionals to educational episodes about new concepts in animal care. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking specifically about uh, AZA's announcement about this sort of shift toward well-being and uh, specifically the document, uh, their strategic framework for the well-being of animals. Uh, I think this is a very important um, sort of shift and one that can have uh, pretty large impacts, uh, particularly on AZA-accredited institutions. But, uh, you know, this is also sort of meant to be the writing on the wall uh, for an overall shift in how we look at welfare and how, you know, organizations are organized and how we are taking care of these animals and what we expect to understand about their welfare and overall their well-being. So, Uh, It's a very important document and one that I'd like to dig into on this episode of the podcast. So in order to, you know, really dig into that and uh, go over why it's significant, uh, we should probably start with um, the beginning of, uh, well, not necessarily the beginning, but the most next most recent development in AZA's sort of uh, ideas around animal welfare uh, and how we are you know, sort of taking care of and monitoring the psychological well-being of the animals that we work with. Um, because, uh, you know, it, it's it's a slow shift and one that is very important within uh, the animal care worlds. You know, uh, these animals are becoming harder and harder to take care of the more we understand about them. You know, the more we understand about their psychological needs, uh, th- these are much harder needs to meet than, uh, say, you know, the husbandry needs of an animal. Uh, they're much less tangible and harder to measure. So uh, one of the first um, shifts toward uh, really focusing on uh, overall psychological welfare of an animal um, came out with the 1.5.0 clause uh, in 2018 and uh, in the uh, AZA standards. Uh, And if you're not an AZA accredited institution that's listening to this, this is still important because this is sort of uh, representing an overall industry uh, shifts and what people, what thought leaders in the industry and what sort of the people that are setting the bar uh, are thinking about. So, uh, you know, it's still important uh, to learn about and still important to, to sort of know. So this 1.5.0 clause um, in 2018 was really focusing on reactive and proactive welfare assessments. And the main thing they were sort of trying to get across to facilities was to make it make welfare, you know, animal welfare, a strategic priority for AZA accredited facilities. And one of the main points of that was having an established framework for evaluating welfare of animals, uh, you know, not just uh, reactively, but also proactively, you know, uh, documenting the assessments, uh, these welfare assessments and taking actions based on the assessments, you know, actually using this data uh, to assess every single animal on site and having a plan in place uh, when, you know, there's a problem that arises and 
doing it on a regular basis. Uh, that was the main sort of tenets and thought process behind 1.5.0. So, and uh, that was in 2018. Um, and, you know, facilities, everybody does it differently. The more you sort of uh, go to and talk to other facilities, everybody's assessing welfare differently because it's it, it's a very hard thing to, to assess. Uh, and there's not necessarily a playbook on, you know, how to assess penguin welfare. So we're as a group of facilities really trying to build those playbooks and trying to learn as much as we can. And that's sort of where this um, strategic framework for the well-being of animals comes from. So this uh, strategic framework um, is a document. I'll, I'll link to it in the, uh, the show notes because it's a good sort of companion piece uh, as we'll be going through it. Um, so let's talk about why the AZA started with this document and why they released it. Um, so my interpretation of the whys is sort of AZA inviting room for innovation and building more robust systems when it comes to, um, you know, the overall assessment of welfare and uh, really, you know, wanting collaboration between facilities to share knowledge and become you know, leaders in this space. That AZA wants to be a leader in in animal welfare because, uh, especially uh, today, when people are talking about zoos, that's sort of a concept that people are becoming more and more aware of, and they want to see people doing it better. Uh, in particular, the members members of the public that are coming to visit zoos, uh, they want to get a, a feeling of overall, uh, you know, high animal welfare standards where they're coming to an institution. Uh, so. In order to do that, you know, we need that collaboration and we need innovation in the space uh, to really figure out um, this sort of what what well-being even really means for this, these animals. So this document uh, really starts with a position statement, and that position statement is members of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, AZA, uh, believe that the well-being of animals in our care is both our moral responsibility and foundational to AZA's mission. To support this belief, AZA members commit their diverse expertise to continuously advance and share knowledge, tools, and actions that promote the well-being of animals. We aspire to be globally trusted leaders in enhancing the well-being of animals. So that's the sort of overarching concept behind this, this sort of uh, strategic framework. And then we have strategic priorities, which we'll go in depth um, about as we go through this document. But, you know, uh, this sort of shift to well-being um, is, is one that I think is, is definitely a good thing. And it's, and it's one that really is going to uh, invite collaboration, innovation, and it's it's going to be a challenging thing to, to sort of wrap your head around uh, and begin to sort of assess. Because, uh, you know, the definition that they've put the definition in the document here, uh, you know, the definition of well-being is a state of being comfortable, healthy, or happy. So this is actually fully acknowledging the fact that animals can't be in a state in this state, because you know, assessing welfare and assessing well-being are sort of two different things. You know, the the welfare you have your your sort of five domains, and you have um, you know this sort of perceived uh, 
notion of either being in a positive welfare state or a negative welfare state. Whereas well-being is saying not only can we sort of assess welfare and say if this animal's in a po positive or negative welfare state, we can also say uh, if it's in a state of well-being, you know, is this animal happy and comfortable and healthy? So it's a, it's a shift to something that is going to be more challenging to define. Uh, so as well as being, you know, what, what I've just spoken about, you know, well-being is a sort of more approachable language for, for members of the public. Uh, the term animal welfare is one that has been, you know, continuously muddled with, uh, you know, animal rights and um, things like that. So it, it's it's something that sort of sparks debate when when people see it, uh, when people hear us talk about it. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you know, the science is still animal welfare. You know, that's that's the sort of banner this all falls under. But well being is is something that the public can connect with a little easier without uh, without context. So um, it, it's a more understood term for people to uh, to think about when they're when they're looking at these animals in zoos. Um, and as I said, it is it is a shift to to actually trying to make these animals it, it be in this sort of state of well being. So the the. We need to, you know, they also stated here that if we're going to try and save these animals, we need to make sure the ones in our care are cared for very well. So that's, uh, you know, that's something that's important and something that I think AZA um, has uh, highlighted in different standards. Um, you know, we, this is a sort of shift to be able to define happiness in, in animals. And it requires a deep understanding of the animal's natural behaviors. Uh, and in this document, they actually used like a cat or a dog uh, as an example, because these are animals that, that humans understand extremely well, because we've, we've been taking care of them in uh, domestic settings for, you know, sometimes uh, hundreds and thousands of years. So we understand what, uh, happiness looks like in a dog. You know, we understand what happiness looks like in a cat and we can sort of overall define well-being in these animals. So we want to get to that point with, with all of the animals that we are taking care of uh, in zoos to the point where we can, we can really fully understand what, what that state of well-being looks like. Uh, so, you know, it, this is, it's, you know, as you're probably thinking, this is a pretty large undertaking. Um, and that's sort of why they've, they've laid out these strategic priorities that they think um, will, will be focuses for institutions in order to get there. So there are five strategic priorities um, that they've laid out in this document. Uh, there's creating a, uh, cultivate a culture, uh, enhance lives, raise the bar, build partnerships, and further credibility. So we'll, we'll sort of dive into each of these um, a little bit more in depth. So uh, cultivating a culture, this is uh, definitely one that I see as being uh, one of the most important because that shift to well-being and, you know, animal welfare is really dependent on the culture that's being fostered around animal care within an organization. Uh, people need to be having these conversations. They need to really try to be understanding what welfare and well-being looks like uh, in the animals they're working with. So, you know, it's about, it's a sort of a commitment um, to, you know, finding those, that, those leadership 
roles and the resources um, that are going to help build this into the job of a keeper. You know, this is going to be something that's on the mind of keepers when they're, you know, learning to take care of an animal uh, or they're, you know, taking care of an animal for 20 years. Uh, this is a sort of mindset shift for, for everybody to go through. So, and it's, this is about creating that culture around well-being and welfare. And this is something, uh, you know, you, it's, it's one of those things that you, that you really notice when you don't have it. Um, because, it, you know, if you've ever worked in an area uh, with keepers that, you know, maybe welfare isn't on their sort of mind all the time, uh, it's, very, it's very, very noticeable and you can see the effects. So creating that culture is definitely, um, I see why it's sort of number one on the strategic priorities. So the next priority is enhance lives. So as I've already really sort of mentioned, um, this shift to well-being is is really to enhance the lives of the animals uh, with both welfare, science, and staff training, because that's what it's going to take uh, to get to the point of being able to define well-being. Um, you know, this is going to, as part of this priority, there's going to be, you know, information and funding uh, for new welfare science, uh, looking at gaps in the cur our current understanding, because there's definitely uh, huge gaps in if for some animals in particular, and developing that curriculum. So you're able to sort of uh, get this to the keeper and get, you uh, you know, the knowledge and the most recent research to the keeper as quickly as possible in a way that everybody understands and that, in, a, in a way that's easily translatable to your sort of day-to-day -day, um, husbandry of the animal because that's what's going to uh, sort of contribute the most to the well-being of the animal. So understanding all that is, is definitely important and, you know, it's definitely going to enhance uh, the lives of the animals that we work with. Um, so the next one is raise the bar. So this is about continuously advancing the accreditation standards for institution, you know, uh, continuously raising that, raising that bar uh, to the point where uh, it is sort of forcing innovation and forcing those curriculums and that culture to be there uh, in order to keep up with the bar. And this is, you know, super important. And, and, and this comes with review um, and scientific advancements uh, as it happens and, um, as it sort of trickles down into, into institutions. So it's definitely, uh, you know, an important goal for AZA to continuously be raising that bar, uh, to make sure everybody is sort of uh, keeping up to date and building this into their culture. So priority number four is building partnerships. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, that scientific advancements and sort of looking for more information on welfare science, that's really going to building those partnerships with external institutions um, like universities, um, things like that are really going to be, that's what's going to drive a lot of that new information coming into this industry because, uh, you know, it's a uh, very hard for researchers to study these animals in the wild. Um, so getting that opportunity to study these animals in uh, captivity and in these sort of controlled environments is one that's super important and that's going to lead to, you know, advancement in welfare science. Um, so, you know, really focusing on that external collaboration uh, with the common ground of, you know, animal welfare and animal well-being uh, is, is super important. 
So uh, further credibility is the last priority here. Um, and that's that's really what's going to come from fulfilling the rest of the priorities. At the end of the day, uh, it's it's about furthering the credibility of AZA that to be a leader in animal well-being. And when uh, this is you know everything from when a member of the public sees the AZA stamp on an institution that they're going to, uh, they know that they're being held to the standards where uh, animal well-being and welfare is part of the culture uh, and you know really part of the priorities of the institution they're going to. So um, I, I see why that is also a priority for, for AZA and one that I think is, uh, is super important, uh, not only for members of the public, but for you know, scientific research. Uh, everybody wants to know that these AZA institutions are being held to, to high uh, standards when it comes to welfare. Um, so those are sort of the five strategic priorities that are going to be supporting this commitment to well-being. Um, and let's sort of briefly go over the sort of significance of this and what it means for you, uh, you know, working at an animal care institution. So the significance of this, uh, shift to well-being, um, I, I think this is really acknowledging the challenges, uh, that there are in taking care of some of these animals. You know, uh, a lot of the animals that we're taking care of in, in zoos are, they have very complex natural histories. They're capable of, you know, complex decision-making. Uh, and it takes a lot to, to make sure their well-being, their psychological well-being uh, is being met and is being sort of um, at the state it should be. So uh, that that's why I think, the main reason why this is a, a positive shift. And, you know, this is sort of also acknowledging the immense, immense amount of resources to do this correctly. And that collaboration between institutions is, is going to be key here because, you know, not there's not going to be one institution that sort of figures that cracks the code on, on animal well-being and then everybody else is sort of copying them. This is going to come from everybody working together, sharing their knowledge on each individual animal that they think are they're doing well and sort of um, collaborating from there and sharing sharing that knowledge as much as possible, which I think is, is super key because everybody, you know, uh, especially coming from the keeper side of things, sometimes you talk to somebody that works at an institution and they have solved the problem that you're working on years ago. So the, the, the quicker you can get to that point of uh, collaborating to solve problems, um, it, it, the more useful this is going to be. So this is, I, I think this is also... This shift is really furthering the thought, you know, that there's there isn't the room for people not acknowledging these challenges and these needs of these animals that in the in the animal care world, you know, people that aren't believing in enrichment and that welfare assessments aren't important. There's there's just no room for that in an AZA accredited institution and the culture of a company that is taking care of these animals really needs to reflect that. And uh, the keepers that that aren't necessarily there yet need to get the support and, uh, you know, have that sort of curriculum, uh, like they mentioned in the uh, this this framework uh, to get there, because there, there's just no room, no room for that. Um, so I think it's it's super important. And in order to sort of 
meet these needs, we're going to need everybody on board and uh, in order to get that collaboration. So I think that's that's really, really great. So w- what does this mean, you know, for you as a, you know, if you're listening as an animal care taker or uh, a keeper or uh, whatever, whatever your role may be? I think it's, uh, you know, it's about being creative and thinking out of the box and really trying to, to be that leader in your, in your team when it comes to animal welfare. Uh, start having those conversations about welfare. Hey, do we actually, what, what are the things that we're looking for uh, to indicate a positive state of well-being in this animal? What are the things that we're looking for that are, you know, maybe uh, indicative of a, of a negative state of well-being? So having those conversations uh, with creativity and sitting down with your team is what this, what this really means for you, you know? Um, I, I think trying new things and not being afraid of change uh, is building that into your team now is going to help you immensely in the future because this is a very fast-moving uh, and important field of study, the, the field of animal welfare. And you know, conditioning your, your team for change, uh, is, is, is very important because as this changes, we're going to need to change quickly. Uh, and we're going to need to sometimes, uh, throw out the way we were taking care of this animal before and, and start a new way because of this sort of shift to well-being. So, you know, having a clear understanding of what well-being looks like for these animals and, and having those conversations and getting ready for change is going to set you up, um, for this to happen to your team. So, uh, and, and, you know, do, do some research and, and be aware of those, those, some of those, uh, those studies on animal welfare and always be seeking out new information and, and learn and collaborate, uh, look at your network and, you know, don't be afraid to ask people, uh, you know, if you're, if you're taking care of orangutans and, you, you connect with some people that are also uh, caring for those animals uh, have some chats like well what do you think about what of well what does well-being look like uh, for you at your institution and and having those conversations uh, and and building that collaboration is is really what's going to be important from uh, from the keeping side of things so uh, you know I, I think this is overall a very very important shift and I was, I was very happy to see this document uh, so I, again I'll link it down below I, I would recommend giving it a read start to think of what you can do uh, in in even if it's a small small sort of shift within your team it, it can have big big impacts later down the road when this is uh, you know accreditation is 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 moving forward and this is part of it so uh, yeah I hope you enjoyed uh, listening and I hope uh, you learn something and you'll start thinking about uh, animal well-being, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So uh, thank you for listening. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Wild Enrichment Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Wild Enrichment on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. If you want to learn more about Wild Enrichment and see some of our great resources, check out www.wildenrichment.com. Also, if you wish to support Wild Enrichment, check out our Patreon. Again, thank you so much for listening. Until next time.
Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo, aquarium, or other animal care institutions. All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employers past or present. Thank you.